With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, as usual, is my co-host Curtis. And I'm sure you all have heard this by now, but we have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, not new to the staff, but a new offensive coordinator. We have promoted uh, quarterbacks coach, former wide receivers coach James Coley, officially to the OC job. And now, Curly, like, would you say it's fair to say that reactions to this hire are a little bit of a mixed bag right now? Um, yeah, because I think the biggest thing is people just think it's the same old thing. Uh, and that I think that's the biggest thing. You know, people. Right. People, they were looking for the big splash, but sometimes the big splash isn't always the best thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And we're going to get into all that here momentarily. We got a new offense coordinator. There's some news on the tight end coach front, maybe in the DB slash defensive coordinator front. So we'll get into all the coaching news here uh, momentarily. I do want to remind everyone out there that if you are not subscribed to us on Podbean, uh, you can subscribe today, get access to all of our content throughout the entire offseason for only $2 a month. I know there's a dearth of, of, of good football information and really just Georgia sports information during the football offseason, but we do our best to try to keep it rolling for you guys throughout the offseason, give you your Georgia football fix, Georgia sports fix in general. So if you're not subscribed yet, you can subscribe today for only $2 a month. Just click on our little profile link on our Twitter page, which is at Gloria underscore UGA. It takes about a minute or two to put, put in all your information, and you've got access to all of our premium content throughout the season. And for all of you guys who have already subscribed and been with us for a while, we definitely appreciate that. You guys know that. We love you guys. But got some good uh, coaching stuff to talk about today, Kurt. So let's go ahead and get into the good stuff that everyone tuned in today to listen to. Uh, so yeah, I think at least among my circle, the people that, that, I'm, that I communicate with and kind of what's out there in the social media world, uh, it seems to be a little bit of a mixed bag with uh, the promotion of James Coley to our offensive coordinator job. And I, look, I know that like my circle and social media isn't necessarily representative of the entire Georgia fan base. I totally get that. But I do think it's fair to say that this hire has been met with a bit of a mixed reaction. Uh, and, I, I, and I do, like, I'm kind of one of those guys that often sees both sides of the story. Uh, and I think I, I, I can see both sides in this case. And I do think a case can be made for both uh, views of the James Coley promotion. You know, the side that views this promotion as kind of underwhelming and uninspiring, and also the side that views it as the right move, as Kurt was saying, the right move for our program right now. So, Kurt, let's try, man. Let's let's try to start off by making a case for both sides of this hire. And, and let's start with the naysayers who are opposed to this move. We say it's kind of an uninspiring move here that we uh, really didn't get the best guy out there for our, for our program. What is the case that they're making here? I think it's the there's two things. Like I said earlier, it was he, he's not a big splash hire. You know, he's not someone that has put up ridiculous numbers when he was OC. Right. It's not and like I, getting Lincoln Riley from East Carolina. He's putting up major numbers there when he comes to Oklahoma, right? Exactly. Or you know, some of those Heupel or you know Hoople or how do you say his Josh name? Heupel from Missouri going to UCF. Yeah. Yes, things like that, and I think that's that's one of the biggest things uh, that people have disappointed. And then second of all, um, I think it's his track, his previous track record. Yeah, let's talk about that track record for a little bit here. Uh, so he 
had the offensive coordinator title for a couple of years at Florida State under Jimbo Fisher when they won their national title run. However, he was not the play caller, right? Yeah. So, yeah, had the title, wasn't really calling plays, kind of like what he had here this past year as co-offensive coordinator with Jim Chaney uh, in Athens. Uh, but still, he was instrumental, and, and Jimbo has been clear and upfront about this. He was instrumental in helping build that program and getting the offense prepared uh, to play at the level that was a national national championship caliber offense. Uh, again, wasn't calling plays. you got to put that out there. But again, Jimbo Fisher thought highly enough of him with that experience to offer him the Texas A&M offensive coordinator job last year, which we ponied up for. Kirby thought highly enough of him to say, no, we can't let that happen. we got to keep this guy. Um, then you fast forward to Miami with Al Golden coming off of their the, the, Saint, the Nevin Shapiro sanctions. He gets the offensive coordinator job there in 2013, 14, and 15. Uh, and his numbers, how would you characterize his, his numbers there at Miami? Um, he was the play caller. I don't want to say uninspiring, but they weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't eye opening. Yeah. That, I think that's the right word. They weren't ones that make you look and think, Oh yeah, they were just, you know. And if you look at the numbers though, and look, if you look at those numbers, let's, let's, let's look at the, the actual numbers. Cause you hear this a lot. Like well, he, he, he didn't do a great job in Miami and he flamed out there. I'm like, well, did he really? Let, let's look at it here. So in 2013, his first year there, uh, in total offense, they were 48th nationally, averaging 425 yards a game. Respectable, right? Yeah. Like, not elite, but respectable. Uh, but if you look, and here's the, and you guys, if you listen to the show for a while, you know that I'm big on yards per play because that takes out, that takes completely out of the equation the fact that, that you can sometimes inflate your total yards numbers by the, the total number of plays that you run. In this in this era of up-tempo, hurry-up, no-huddle, that type stuff, a lot of times, these these teams that are th- that are putting up 500 plus yards a game, which is great. Don't get me wrong; it is great, but they're not as efficient because they're running you know 90, 100 plays a game. Whereas a team that's more of a, a slow pace style offense, more traditional pro style offense, might not might only run 65 ish plays a game. But those 65 plays, they're a lot more effective and efficient in those 65 plays. So, in yeah, he only put up 425 yards a game, good for a uh, top 50, so respectable. Uh, but his, his offense in 2013 in Miami was 11th nationally in yards per play, averaging 6.75 yards per play. So to me, that's much more important than just 425 yards. I know the, the average yards per game is what most people look at. I look more at yards per play. I look at your efficiency. And he, those were very, that was a very efficient offense in 2013. Fast forward a year to 2014, uh, pretty much the same numbers, honestly. Uh, 47th nationally in total offense with 430 yards a game. 11th nationally again in yards per play at 6.68. So was, and that was with a true freshman quarterback in a team and offense that was coming off of sanctions. Uh, Brad Kaya was a true freshman that year. He was a pretty solid player for them. Uh, and then this final year. Now, this is the year that I, that I think you can find some issue with. The numbers drop pretty dramatically here. Uh, goes down to 67th nationally in total offense. Under 400 yards a game, 397 yards a game that final year, uh, and then 48, only 48 nationally in yards per play. So pretty much a drop across the board there in 2015 in his final year there. And that's the year that Al Golden, you know, they move on, so on and so forth. So, but when you look at those numbers in totality, Kurt, like, was he a disaster as an offensive coordinator at Miami? No. I don't think he was, and that's the narrative out there. Like the echo chamber in social media is that he was just a complete disaster at Miami as the play caller, and I just don't think that's the case. I just laid out the numbers for you. Now, was he an elite play caller? I would say no, right? But he also was a disaster. I think he was. I think he was a solid play caller in his first experience actually calling plays. Uh, and look again, let's go back and be real here. 
they were working with sanctions. He had nowhere near the talent that he's going to have here at Georgia. But the people who are kind of naysayers about this hire, look at his experience. He's only got three years actually calling plays, and none, none of those years were out, you know, where you have the kind of the eye-popping type numbers. I think, is, is that a fair way to look at it, though? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I totally see where people, if you're going to take that track, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, because, and let me ask you this, Kurt, kind of going along with making this case that, that – for the people who are kind of opposed to the move. Do you think that uh, James Coley is the best play caller we could have gone out and gotten for this job? Uh, I think for, for continuity-wise, yes. And that's the context I have to bring into it next. But if it's if you take the continuity out of this, all right, and you're just looking at who is the best play caller I can bring in for, for our team to call plays, to be the office coordinator – is he the best one? Is he the best play caller out there for us to go out and get? Probably not. Yeah, I would say no. So if if you want to – those who are kind of opposed to this move and are, are really kind of uninspired about promoting Cole to, to the full-time offensive coordinator who's actually calling plays, I get what you're saying. I mean, I can't say you're argue that he is the absolute 1% best play caller we could have gone out there and gotten. I got like Larry Fedor, right? Yeah. It's a guy – now, I'm not saying like – he probably wasn't even in the picture. But I'm just saying, if you look at the guys who are out there on the open market, and guys who aren't even on the, on the open market, who have more experience as play callers, there are guys out there that have more experience and are probably be- – who, who you can at least make a, a solid argument would be better play callers than James Coley. I think that's fair to say. But let's look at the other side of this equation, Kurt. And you brought the continuity word into the equation here. Uh, and I think that's big here. So let's make the case there. Why was this potentially the right hire for us to make at this point? Well, first off, uh, he has already been working with Jake Fromm for one year. so As quarterback finally, coach, right? Yeah, you're finally getting a coach that's going to be here for multiple years uh, sure. working with some people. I think that's a huge thing that, ha- that we haven't had in a while. Absolutely. Uh, what about – so there are a lot of people who are excited like when, when we move on from – or I guess when – Cheney decided to accept the the big offer from Tennessee. Some people were excited about us being able to kind of open up the offense a little bit more, kind of have a clean slate, and kind of just transform this offense. We talked about this a little bit on our last show of the week last week with our premium content uh, about whether we need to transform our offense or kind of retool it. Uh, do you think this is a missed opportunity to potentially make our offense more explosive? I don't think so because if you think about it, the one of the biggest problems that Cheney was having, especially last year, uh, was that Coley was coming in trying to change some things. So with right. that going in mind, uh, you know, Coley was the passing game coordinator, if I believe. If well, I it, it, and I don't know if he officially had that title, but from what I understand, there's been some some noise out there the past week or so since the whole Cheney news came down that one of the reasons he was kind of frustrated here in Athens uh, this past year is that as the season wore on, Kirby gave Coley more and more responsibility for the passing game because he was kind of frustrated with what Cheney was doing. Is that kind of what you were hearing? Exactly. Yeah. So, but do you, like, but going back to that, that original question there, is, is there a need to transform this offense? Like we said, no. I, you and I both believe that the best route for our offense is to get into an offense where we just – use matchups better, get our players in space better, and get our athletes the ball. Even if it's our our running backs, in general, we just have to get playmakers the ball in better space instead of, you know, bunching up so much and being more as predictable as we were, especially in bunch-heavy sets. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's no doubt. And, and with the continuity part of this, yes, it's big to have Jake Fromm have his quarterback coach back for a second year. But is it also big for, our, for, for Jake Fromm and the rest of the guys on our offense to keep – 
some similarities, some continuity within the actual system we're running. Because so you and I both don't think that we needed to transform the offense. How big is it to have the continuity in terms of now we have a different play caller, but a lot of the terminology I imagine will be the same. A lot of the schemes will be very similar. Obviously, James Coley is probably going to put his 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 you know his fingers. Uh, his fingerprints on things here, here and there, and change some things up, which I think needs to be done. You mentioned like, we need to match up our, we need we need to do a better job of scheming match up to CSGO, or, or, or uh, improve the tempo a little bit. I'm not again like I, like I said on the, on the show last week, I'm not he, sit, sitting here advocating that we go hurry up no huddle all the time, right? Yeah, but we do need to. I mean, I'll tell you what. Every time our offense is clicking is the two minute drill. But okay, how much of that is that our that Jake feels comfortable now, which I know he does, and the fact that the defenses play us differently in the terms of in terms of the coverages that they play in those two minute situations. Well, I will say that may be a factor, but I think in general Jake is more comfortable in shotgun, getting rid of the ball quickly instead of you know doing pro style drop back. That's what he did his entire life before he came to Athens. And, and I think that's the thing. I'm not saying two minute offense, hurry up, get rid of the ball. I'm just saying more shotguns looks. And I I do th- I will go and say I, I would like to see us kind of introduce more hurry-up elements to the offense. And again, not all the time, but I think that you can insert that strategically at points. And I used the, the analogy last week with like Matt Ryan and the Falcons, right? Where for years, they would they would go hurry-up at time, at certain points with the game, but they wouldn't do it down in and down out, drive in and drive out. That's not what they did. Is they strategically used at certain points, and they had they had a great deal of success with that. And I think that we can do that with Fromm. Because I got... I'm not a honestly. I don't like when deep. I I think it's counterproductive for your defense for your offense to run hurry up the entire game, right? Yeah. I, I, it wears your defense out. You run too many plays. Defense on the field too much. I, I'm not necessarily a fan of that, but I am a fan of using it in using it situationally, I guess. And I think that we can do a better job of that outside of just the two minute drill because we all see how Fromm excels in that situation. Now defenses do play us differently. They're playing different coverages there. Uh, you have some prevent looks. You can take some underneath routes. But I again, I think I'm with you. I think Fromm is more comfortable in in those settings. And I think that Coley, especially since he's the quarterback coach and know and, and has that relationship with Fromm in terms of what he uh, likes and how he and what he excels at in terms of uh, playing that quarterback position, I think will work more of that into the equation. But I, I would say that I don't think that we need to transform anything. I think that look, guys. We were top 10 in yards per play this season. Our offense works. The scheme that we run works. It just needs some tweaking. There are just there's things that we could do better, and I think James Coley gives us an opportunity to do that. Uh, and I'll also say this. Going back to his numbers at Miami, like they were solid, decent numbers, right? Yeah. But to it, like, why are we just assuming that James Coley from 2013 well, is going to be James Coley in 2018? How many times have you seen people – you know, get fired from a job, but then at the next job, be the best. I mean, I, I think that people you are, learn. Like, yeah, people. Like, I mean, look at Tom Crean. I mean, are sure. it's, it's just, it blows my mind because I think, like you said, you learn. Uh, you also talent can make a, make or break a coach. Absolutely, and that's another part of this equation. So making the case for this side that says like this is the right hire, the right move for our program right now. Number one is continuity, right? Uh-huh. Because let's think, Jake Fromm. Look, and Fromm has plenty of room to improve. Okay, let's not act like, act like he doesn't. But he has come close, and I don't want to say I don't like to say he's mastered the offense, but he's come, come pretty darn close, right? 
in terms of, like he understands this offense, he knows where to go, whether he knows what his reads are, he like, he gets all that. So if you start over with a brand new offense coordinator that's going to bring in brand new terminology, an entirely new system, well, Fromm could handle that, but is he going to be able, is he going to master that in year one? No. No. So I think you could potentially see us take a step back, even if that guy might be a better play caller, even if you want to make that argument. If he brings an entirely new system that Fromm and the rest of the offense has to learn year one, yeah, Fromm is he, he's a he's a film rat and he would he would get it sure, but would he be as proficient running that offense as he would uh, an offense that he's been running for three years essentially? I I would say no. So I think right there, if you want us to really compete in two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty, I think keeping that continuity is critically important. Is critically important. And I, and I think that's p- part of what Kirby was thinking here. Is like, look, we've got a guy in Jake Fromm who's coming into his junior year. He spent the past two years getting this offense down. He's got it down. Now he's going to take the next step up. I think if you put a new system in here, there's a, there's a chance he takes a step back in terms of knowledge of the offense and what he's going to be doing with the football given different coverages in different situations. So I think the continuity is big here. Uh, but going back to like looking at his numbers from 2013, 14, 15, or whatever – are, is it like, is it kind of foolish to assume that who he was in thirteen is who he's going to be in eighteen? No, or, I mean, is it foolish? Yes. Yeah, because going back to what you were saying, like he's you you have to think he's learned from those mistakes, right? I mean, you would hope, and here's my thing: uh, I don't believe Kirby in this type. Like you said, when you're having a quarterback coming back, things like that would waste this year on someone he didn't believe in. I mean, and I think that's one thing, too. Uh, Kirby is so detail-oriented, and you know, the way he is, I don't see him wasting it. I don't either, and and Kirby has a vision for what he wants our offense to be, right? Well, and, I, and like you said, you know, talking about how Cheney was getting, he was getting more and more say, Kurt, uh, Coley was, you could see Kirby was not happy with Cheney. There so are plenty he, of moments where you could— that Kentucky game, you really started to notice him just getting after him. Absolutely. The Kentucky game, absolutely. I, mean, I, I was at that game, so I didn't see it live. But going back and rewatching, I was like, holy man, this guy, he's not ha-. You can see a little bit in the Florida game as well. Uh, it it, it kind of seemed like the LSU game was kind of the breaking point. Where, like, look, no one on our, like, none of our coaches, none of our players really did a great job in that game. It was a disaster all the way around. It's a team loss. It was, it was bad. But I, I, I think that Cheney certainly did not call his best game in that game. Uh, is that fair? Uh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, got away from the run, and we just we kind of panicked there. Players, coaches, it just it, it it wasn't a good look. Obviously, and it kept us out of the playoffs in the long run. Obviously, that happened. I think that that was a source of frustration for Kirby, and I think you could probably get that point. Like, I don't know for sure. I don't have inside information here, but I can imagine that's where, if indeed Coley started to get more uh, responsibility as the season wore on, that was probably the point where, especially going to a bye week, where Kirby's like, all right, well, we're gonna look at how we structure the, the offensive game playing a little bit more moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the rest right, of the listen, even in the Florida game, we didn't call a great game. We just executed on third down because even the third yeah. downs where we executed, they were long third downs. Yeah, there were plenty of those situations. Fromm was just on fire in that game. Like Fromm played out of his mind in that game. And look, and some some of you don't like Jay Fromm. That's fine, but like you have to be honest. That guy just played out of his mind in that game. Uh, he played you know, bouncing back from LSU was crazy. So he definitely bailed us out there. In a number of situations. Uh, and also, you brought it up a second ago, the talent differential here. Like, if you look at what Coley had to work with at Miami and what he's going to have to work with here, it's night and day, is it not? Uh, 100%. I mean, it's, yes. It's not even close. It's really not even close. Again, they were coming off sanctions. Yeah, Brad Kai was a solid guy. Yeah, Brad Kai is a true freshman and is a true sophomore. Uh, 
in the history of sophomore year wasn't a great look. But they but there's so much more context to that. Coming off sanctions uh, with reduced scholarship numbers, it, it was a bad situation. I still think he did a pretty good job. Not an elite job, but if you look at those numbers, those are solid numbers when you consider the situation that he was placed in there at Miami coming off those sanctions. And here in Athens, he's got a lot more talent to work with. He's got an upperclassman quarterback now who's been in the same virtually the same system for the past couple of years now. So to just sit there and and look at what he did in Miami and his first run his first go around as a play caller with a lot less talent. Uh, and actually, you know what, realistically he did a pretty good job if you look at his efficiency in yards per play. And just but but just to say that that who he was in 2013, 2014 with that Miami team is who he's gonna be in 2019, 2020 with with what he has to work with at Georgia. I don't know if you can say that. It, it, look, he it, it might turn out to be that way. I can't sit here and definitively say. I think it's too yes. early to everyone, you know, once again be jumping off a jumping off the cliff. Right. I'm. I will say this. I'm kind of in wait and see mode. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. I think you have to give them an opportunity. I mean, it's going to be the same way with the D.C. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we're going to get to the defense coordinator here in just a minute. But that's kind of where I, I am with this. It's like, I'm not going to just dismiss this hire out of hand. I'm not going to sit here and kill and say, this, well, is, I, this I is the wrong move. D.C. people are upset. You know, they maybe wanted someone like a Dan Enos and things like that. But I think that as, as important as the O.C. is, I think one thing that we haven't touched on either is how great of a recruiter James Coley is. Absolutely. You, how, I mean, let's let's, let's talk about that. How important is he, not just as a play caller, but how important is it to keep a guy like James Coley on this staff moving forward? It's incredibly important. I mean, think about it. when when we're especially big recruits offensively. I mean, he even helps defensively with South Georgia. But when South Florida, yeah. Yeah, or I mean South Florida. All these receivers, things like that. Coley is always involved, and you. Ne- I mean, you never heard Chaney. I mean, you know, you trying to move on from. Him, I know he's out, but he was never one truly mentioned as being an ace recruiter. But if you talk to people, you know, especially offensively. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to actually point offensively because all almost every coach on our offensive staff is an ace recruiter except for Chaney. Yeah, and Chaney wasn't a liability recruiter. He just wasn't, and he just wasn't particularly he wasn't great the at one it. We sit on the road. Like, yeah, he wasn't particularly great at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get, and when you, I think that's another thing too. When it came down to Enos, I think that Enos, you know, may. I mean, he has he has more of a track record lately, and he's done well. Yes, but when it came down to it, was he the recruiter, and could he keep bringing in talent that we needed? And, if, and the people who wanted us to go an entirely different route with our offense, Dan Enos would not have accomplished that. Dan Enos was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas, guys, when they were pounding the ball into Brett Bielema. After Chaney left, Dan Enos was the Chaney can run some different things, but what he's run most recently is very similar to what we run. I mean, it's very similar. So it's not like Dan Enos was going to come in and revolutionize our offense. People were under the impression that Enos was going to come in and bring Alabama's offense. Guys, we don't have Alabama's personnel. We don't have a Tua Tungavailoa quarterback right now. We don't have those receivers. He didn't call the plays. He didn't call the plays there, right. All he did was he was a quarterback coach. Okay, maybe, who knows, he could have been a better quarterback coach. I think that, 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 that that you can say. I think that might be fair. Yeah, but other than that, everything else you don't know. He's not even close to the recruiter that 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 Coley is. And again, if you're looking for if you're one of those people that are upset with this hire and call it uninspiring because it's because we're going to be running virtually the same offense or something very similar to it, I think you would have seen very much the same thing with Enos. That's what he's run. When, the last time he was a play call Arkansas was a very similar offense to what we run. Very that's similar. Hundred percent there. Yeah, that's a very similar. And look, Enos has more experience than Coley. I'm not going to say he doesn't. And, and I would I would have been fine if we would have hired Enos. I would have been okay with that. But with yeah, Coley, I'm not saying I'm not saying Enos wasn't a good wouldn't have been a good. Yeah, hire. I would have been okay with that. I would have been okay with Eddie Grand too. I would have been fine with that. But I, 
I just don't think like the the, the dismissal of the Coley promotion out of hand. I, I I don't think it takes into. I think into, it's unfair. I think it's unfair. Yeah. And uh, premature. Yeah, I, exactly. That's a good way to put. It. Just unfair and premature. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say categorically that James Coley is going to be a massive success. I don't know that for sure. I, I I'm comfortable with the hire. I think there's a very good chance it's going to work. I like the fact that it, that it gives us continuity because I think that's very important. Uh, look at a lot of the coaching staffs up there that have success. I mean, uh, Alabama's a different animal because they that thing that machine's just humming. But the more continuity you can have, the better. Right, especially when you got some upperclassmen on offense, uh, especially at quarterback that are running that have run this system for a couple of years. That's really important. But I can't sit here and say categorically this was the this is the best hire we're going to make. You know, I, I can't say that yet. But I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand. Uh, and I and I do think there are some signs that lead me to believe that this could be a good hire in terms of the continuity and the fact that the players at Georgia love him. Right? Yeah. I mean, just trust. I mean, trust us, guys. Like we we know a few people around the program and and. They the the players love this guy, and you can see that on social media too, right? Uh, like with some of these players were tweeting once he got the job. I mean, look, and that's look. That doesn't mean he's going to be a great coordinator. That doesn't actually mean that, but it doesn't hurt, right? You like having the players respect and and having good relationships with them is certain. It's something that certainly helps, and especially on the recruiting front as well. Which let's be real, guys. Look, coaching matters. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't, but you got to have the players. If you don't have the players, you ain't going to win. It's just that. So. You know, I think he's going to help us continue to bring in elite talent, and I, I'm willing to give him a chance to see if he's improved and learned from his first stint as a play caller at Miami. I don't, I'm just not going to dismiss it out of hand. We'll see, uh, but I'm optimistic. Uh, I think that's that's kind of where I'm right now. I just I'm wait and see, but it's kind of like an optimistic, like cup cup half full, wait and see mode, right? Yeah, it's kind of where I am with this. Um, but now that we have an offensive coordinator, we still have one more hire to make on the offensive side of the ball. We still need a tight end coach because that's what Cheney was coaching this past year. You know, with the staff kind of uh, shake up a little bit to keep Coley. We gave him the co-offense uh, coordinator job and quarterback coach job, and we moved Cheney from quarterbacks to tight ends. Cheney's gone to Tennessee now for a ridiculous amount of money. I don't know why anyone would pay him that much. Good coach, but worth that much? I don't know. Whatever. But we need a tight end coach. So, Kurt, uh, there was a little bit of news that hit this weekend uh, when it comes to tight end coach. Where do you think we are going to turn for that hire? I think that you and I talked about it. There's three main hires, uh, or three main Three names you're hearing, yeah. Yeah, and they all have Georgia ties. Um, yeah, so who are those guys? Uh, you know, the one person that you've already heard that's interviewed is Todd Hartley. Right, who is the former director of player personnel under Mark Rick. Uh, and the, the recruiting coordinator while right, he was here. Right, absolutely. And then went with Rick for an on-field coaching job at Miami where he was coaching tight ends until obviously Rick stepped down. So now he needs a job. And who else? You got DJ Looney. Right, who was here as a quality control kind of GA type guy working with Sam Pittman, the offensive lineman. He's uh, he's at, back at Mississippi State now. That's where he's uh, that's where he played. He's coaching tight ends over there. Uh, has a really good reputation as a big-time recruiter. And? And then you have more or less like a wild card in Ted Lilly. John Lilly? Pre- or I mean John Lilly, yeah, the uh, previous tight end coach before. Yeah, yeah, with uh, with Rick here in the later in the latter years, the Rick Dara, who is a, a good solid recruiter. Uh, I don't think he has quite the recruiting reputation as Hartley. <laughs> That's why I named him as a wild card. Yeah, and look, it's possible because I mean he's been in the NFL now for a couple of years. Uh, after Rick uh, was let go here in Athens. But look, I, I, that's a guy that I could potentially see coming back if Kirby wanted to go that route. But what I would say is is Kirby, first and foremost, like he wants to have guy. Well, there's two things he looks for in a coach. Or three things, I guess. They've got to be young and hungry. Typically, young and hungry is what he's looking for, right? Always. And they got to be good recruiters and willing recruiters. And then this guy say all the time, uh, especially with position coaches. As a position coach, 
you, yeah, you got to teach you guys, but you got to recruit. You got to be able to recruit. And Todd Hartley and DJ Looney fit that bill to a T. I mean, Todd Hartley, again, was a recruiting coordinator, uh, like a player personnel guy here in Athens before uh, Rick was let go. So Hartley, we know, has interviewed. Uh, it was in Athens. And he, by the way, Hartley's also an alumnus of the University of Georgia, so he's got more ties than just the fact that he was coaching here or working here. He's a Georgia alumni or Georgia alumnus. Uh, do you think Hartley is going to be that guy? Do you think it's ultimately who we end up with? I think so because I think we'll make him an offer that most everyone else can't with, you know, I think – I'm not saying he's going to be the most money. I think it's the fact that, like you said, he's a alumnus. He's got, um, you know – a little bit of familiarity with what he'd be selling here. Right. And I think he just fits the mold because he is a young guy that's hungry, right. that wants to make a name for himself too. And there's no better person to hit your wagon to. In my opinion, Hartley and Looney are 1A and 1B to me. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either. But I think Hartley, I mean, uh, for people that don't know, we had offered him a quality control position earlier in the week, but then we made the you know the Cheney stuff finally happened, and we right. made the decision to go with Coley. And I think when that decision happened, I think that's when we made the decision. All right, now we can probably interview him for an actual on-field position. I think it would be a great hire if we got him in this position. I think he'd be the best recruiter we've had at that position. I mean, think about the offensive staff we would have from a recruiting standpoint. When you got James Coley who's got all his ties in South Florida and is just a tireless, relentless recruiter. We know what Sam Pittman can do. Yes, sir. We all know that. Uh, Del McGee is a monster recruiter. Um, and then you, you add Todd, Hart, Todd Hartley into that mix. I mean, and then Cortez Hankton, too. I mean, he's a young, hungry kind of guy at receiver as well. I mean, is there a better recruiting group of offensive coaches in America? Uh, I would put them up against anyone. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I can't categorically say, hey, yeah, we're the best, but like I would, I would put us against any other offensive staff out there in the country in terms of recruiting, uh, which is a big part of winning national titles. You gotta have the players. So I, I'd be totally good with Hartley. I'd be totally good with Looney, and I'd be good with Lily. I mean, I think Lily did a really good job. I was here. I, I would prefer the other two, uh, just be, from a recruiting perspective. But I don't think we would. Uh, I don't. I don't think it would be a bad hire if we end up with John Lilly. If that was something that ended up happening again, I think that's more of a wild card, like you mentioned. Uh, so yeah. So there's a little bit of news there. I imagine that's going to get taken care of here pretty quickly now that we had the offensive coordinator job taken care of, right? Uh, you would want to, especially because we took all we took this first weekend of the uh, recruiting weekend. Yeah. Because I mean, the dead period was over on Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah, especially nowadays because there's so few kids in the second half of right. the. the signing day so we you know we decided to take this time to and that's what i expect i probably i won't be shocked if you heard anything but even sunday night trying to get ready monday to go out yeah i mean and we're no, recording this at, at 7 16 p.m Hartley. on sunday so yeah, there might be some news Hartley. by the time you're listening to this yeah that's what i'm saying maybe, maybe they'll contact looney to see if he'll interview but if not they probably would go with hartley and you could uh, you know what i'm saying yeah. so I, I wouldn't be shocked if you heard it sunday night or even by monday at the latest i would guess yeah because we i mean we gotta hit the ground running get have to get guys on on the on the move there going out and visiting guys and we're gonna have we're gonna have prospects coming in this weekend so when you, you don't want to hire a guy like friday and have guys on campus saturday now you want to get a guy in here get him ready to go he's and all that kind of stuff so uh, I think here very shortly, and again, by the time some of you might be listening to the show, we might already have some news on that front. But uh, So we're getting closer to putting the puzzle together on the offensive side of the ball, but we still have a vacancy at the defensive coordinator. Uh, there were reportedly some interviews that took place in Athens over the weekend with former Ole Miss defensive coordinator Wesley McGriff uh, and LSU current LSU cornerback coach Corey Raymond. Kurt, uh, first off, and I think you and I talked about this, but just... 
kind of put it out there for everyone listening. What position do you think we were interviewing McGriff and Raymond for? Are they in the mix for the DC job or just the DB coach job? I think it's DB slash co DC for both. Okay, and and I think and I think that's why uh, for both of them realistically. Um, and I you know I say that because I mean I think you could get maybe you'd have a chance to get both as a DB coach, but I think if you offer both the co DC title, it's a little bit of a step up for both. It would be a more well, attractive. Yeah, well McGriff was he was a DC at Ole Miss and got let go. Um, but he's a guy to get him. He kind of, you know, as as a guy who has experience in defense court, he kind of wants that, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's hard to take a step down. Hey, I was a DC. Now I'm going to be a, a position coach. So I think I think you're right on there. Um, do you, like when you look at this, Wesley McGriff and Corey Raymond, the two names that we've heard. There's a there's a report out there that that uh, the the DB coach at Florida was in an interview, but then they kind of. Walk that back a little, back a, walk that back a little bit, and it doesn't seem like that's gonna town Saturday night and stayed the night into Sunday. Uh, so, if it was one of those guys, are you good with either one of them? I'd probably go with Corey Raymond, and I actually think he may be the easiest to get. Okay, what makes you say that? Because you and I were talking about this, so let's put that out there. What makes you say I, that he'd be the one that we could – because McGriff right now doesn't have a job, from what I understand. Yeah, he does. He's, he's at FSU. Oh, I'm sorry, he's at FSU. He did that job. He, he's not He's not a defensive coordinator right now, right? Yeah, and I go with McGriff. I have multiple – I mean, uh, Raymond for multiple reasons. First off, he uh, – you know, I'm going to start off with, you know, how you mentioned what position he coaches. Last year he got a little upset when Ordron – hired a safeties coach yep. and now he's only a cornerback he literally coach. just coaches cornerbacks he does not coach the entire secondary and so that's that's number one reason number two his pay he's the second you know, or the third lowest coach paid at lsu yeah he's he's making uh, it's good money but like w- w- a guy that has his reputation as a recruiter is only making four hundred twenty-five thousand right now yeah someone as the architect of their db's so right. dbu right and he's been yeah. keeping that, that tradition number up three, number three there's no room for him to rise at LSU. No. They're not going to make him a co-DC with Aranda ever. Aranda's getting $2.5 million a year. He is their defensive coordinator. There's no questions asked. He's not. They're not going to, to promote him to co-DC. I just don't see that happening. I'm totally with you there. Uh, so all those points you make are, are fantastic and reasons I mean, why he might make – because honestly, when I first heard this, his name – and I, we heard his name about a month ago like when the, when the defensive coordinator job first came open. Uh, but then it kind of backed off, and Derek Ansley was the guy you were hearing a lot of a lot about. Uh, and honestly, I kind of I did kind of dismiss Corey Raymond because I was like, how why, how are we going to get him? You know, because because yeah, he's an LSU like, guy. He's an LSU. Like he went to LSU. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, man, hits a really long shot. Like, I just don't see that happening. So I didn't really think about it, but now he's here staying overnight, interviewing for the job. Yeah, because you had heard rumors of Ohio State going after him, but he never even interviewed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that, too, you know, you're talking about, you know, why would he leave LSU? If he leaves, that makes it attractive. He leaves, does co-DC for, you know, even three years, three or a couple of years, and Aranda ever leaves to take a head job, then all of a sudden he's had the experience as a DC and right. could be a shoe-in for that job. It's just, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's upward mobility. It's the next step on his upward, on his upward uh, I guess, the upward mobility of him trying to get that, that DC job eventually. Yeah, exactly. Wherever. And I think, and, and, and if he's going to go anywhere, we're better than someone like Kirby Smart, who is a great DB coach in his own regard, who and has been in that position that can help him grow. Yeah, you get to stay in the SEC. You're going to stay in a big time program with a chance to win big. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I think there's a That's chance why I that we go get with him. Raymond, Raymond Moore. 
Yeah, the guy would be. I, mean, I don't think you can go wrong. I really could. You, they're almost a one A and one B at this in the same regard. Yeah, McGriff is would be a good hire. I would be very happy. McGriff. He's got defense coordinator experience, um, and he's a solid recruiter as well. Raymond, I think, might be a little bit better recruiter. At least has that reputation. Uh, and I, I think look, we could get either. I think there's potential that we could get either guy, especially if we offer that code DC. Uh, but and look at Raymond. Like we have a chance to. Another reason why I think, on top of what you said, you laid out some great reasons why you think we have a shot at him, and I agree with every one of them. Another factor here to consider is is salary. He, like I said, he's getting four hundred twenty-five thousand a year at LSU right now. Uh, LSU doesn't have much room to go much higher than that, guys. They, there's been a budget shortfall there for a couple of years in, in Louisiana, uh, and they're paying again. They're paying the defense coordinator two point five million dollars. From what I understand, they might be able to get to, up to around the six hundred six fifty uh, number, but not much higher than that. And what you have to think about is that we have money to throw around right now. Yes, I say you you laid it out very well for me last night or yeah. Saturday night when you and I were texting about it. Yeah, because uh, Mel Tucker was getting one point seven million dollars a year, guys. That number is off the books. Mel Tucker is gone in Colorado, so we have we have at least that one point seven million dollars that we were already spending, and th- and that's and that's assuming that we don't add any more to that coach's yeah, well, pool. Yeah, we definitely have the pockets. Where yeah, we could add and, and we could add more to that. Like it, the coach's pool, the the money that we have to pay our coaches, our assistant coaches, could rise. But we have at least $1.7 million that Mel Tucker was making. So we could take that $1.7 million and split that between whoever we want to uh, make Cody as coordinators. So if, let's say, it's a guy like Corey Raymond, who's making four hundred twenty-five at LSU, you can instantly double that, right? Yeah, and, uh, and here's the thing, too. You would, I mean, say say he's with Dan, Dan Lanning. Our Dan Lanning's already making a bunch, so you don't even have to give him you know, say you were to separate 800 or, you know, eight, whatever it is, 850 between the two of them. You really don't even have to do that. You just have to make them around even so you can right. realistically do Raymond at, I don't know how much Lanning makes off the top of my head. He makes 325. All right, so 325. So you could give nine to Raymond and give six to Lanning. Six to seven, somewhere around. And yet it's a huge pay raise for both of them. Absolutely. And you keep and you get you can bring Raymond over, you get to keep Dan Lanning who Kirby seems to be very high on. Uh so yeah, I think that's a very realistic possibility. We have that, again that 1.7 million dollars that Mel Tucker was making to play around with and to basically make good match cuz they can't match the code DC if we give them that. And and if we if we pay him 850 to 9 or whatever, they I don't think they can match it. I just don't think exactly. financially like they can match said, it. The the 850 to 9 with the code DC, LSU can't match it. They can't. And go back to like when they hired Orgeron. One of the reasons they went with Coach O and not Jimbo <laughs> Fisher is so they couldn't pony up to get Jimbo Fisher because of the budget shortfall in the state. They well, don't have, they have enough money. Jimbo wanted, $10 million, Jimbo wanted $10 million a year, and they couldn't give it to him. It's uh, a long-term could. Right, absolutely. So they just don't have the money, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not just for him. If they give him a raise and he goes from the third highest or the third lowest paid coach to You're going to bump other there, people up too. you got to bump other people up. Yep. Can they afford to do that with everyone? I, I think, especially, especially when, when you're paying your coordinator $2.5 million. When he only coaches cornerbacks, too. Yeah, yeah, he's just a cornerback coach, absolutely. So, so I think, like I said, it's not just him that they have to raise in that situation. So, and, and, and that's the thing that I think is, I, I, you know, like you said, we thought it was a long shot, but as it, as it gets closer and you see him in Athens for more than just one afternoon, it, it's becoming more of a realistic opportunity that makes sense. Absolutely, I, I 100% agree with you. And I was kind of, uh, you and I were talking about this last night, and to me, just kind of reading between the lines, 
if we are interviewing for a secondary coach, we, we, we don't know that it's going to be a co-DC. Like you and I are kind of, we, we've heard that, but we're kind of assuming that we don't, we don't know for sure. All but right. it, it makes sense for the co-DC for Raymond. It McGriff makes sense. Is the type that could be just a straight DC. Yeah. McGriff could be a straight DC, but if it's Raymond and we're interviewing, let's say we're interviewing these guys as DB coaches. What that tells me our DB slash co DC. What that tells me is we are promoting from within for that other for that either the, the full on DC job or the co DC, right? Yeah. Because if we're bringing somebody in from the outside, that to be our defense coordinator, to be a new defensive coordinator, why it makes very little sense to be hiring a, a, a DB coach that he has no input on, right? Yeah. You think if you're going to hire somebody from the outside, he'd want input on the other the vacancy in that position, or maybe that guy's going to be a DB coach. Who knows? Who knows? But. What it tells me, honestly, is that we are promoting from within in some capacity, whether it's going to be Laning or Schumann to full DC or one of those two to co-DC. Uh, and you think it's going to be Lanning, right? Yeah. What makes you say Lanning over Schumann? Because for Schumann was the, the guy that people were talking about, you know, f- you know, so when we hired him, he might be a future DC at some point. You don't think he's ready yet? Uh, No, and Lanning has gone elsewhere and done – you know, it has more experience. He does. He just, he just has a more on-field experience. It's, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, and I, it was also kind of telling. I didn't know what to read into it. I tried not to read too much into it. But at the Sugar Bowl media day, uh, when the DCS come out there and talk, we sent Lanning out there. Now that in itself might not mean anything, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean nothing, though, right? Yeah. I think you got to look at that too. So, but are you good with that setup? If we promoted uh, Lanning or and or Schumann to co DC along with Raymond or McGriff, would you be good with that setup for us? One hundred percent. Yeah, I think I would too. It'd be, keep us strong from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, you know, what you also have to remember too, guys, is like I know some people want us to go out, go out there and hire this big time name DC, just like with offensive coordinator. But Kirby's Kirby's a defensive guy. He is not going to hire a defensive coordinator that does not run his system, right? hundred percent. Why would he? Yeah, he's yeah, just he, simply he not going players, to. You have players to fit the system. That, that's yeah. the most idiotic thing ever to go away from what you have players for. Yeah, and he he believes in the system. He's run this system. He's won national titles with this system. He's not going away from the system. So I know some people are like, hey, let's go get the biggest name out there. I, I'm he's just not going to bring in somebody. The defensive minded head coach who's been in DC, made his bones uh, as a defense coordinator, is not going to go outside of his his comfort zone, his system. So when he has a chance to bring in a, a great recruiter like Raymond and or McGriff. Uh, and then promote a guy like Lanning or Schumann who both know his system, then that's what's going to happen. I'm sorry. And you have to remember, too, guys, Kirby spends a lot of time still with the defense. He's, I don't want to say he's the de facto coordinator, but he has his, his fingerprints all over his defense, too. So I just I never thought that was a realistic possibility that we're going to go out and get some big-name guy unless it was a big-name guy within the Kirby Smart Nick Saban coaching tree. And I just don't know who that guy was going to be. Some people wanted Tosh Lupoy, but like, I, I would rather have Raymond – and promote Lane to have Tosh Lupoy. Is that, I mean, am I wrong? Yeah, because I think Raymond brings more to the table position coaching-wise. Yeah, I, I agree. And, like, if you bring in Lupoy, who I know has defense coordinator experience because he was there at Alabama, uh, and he knows Kirby's system, I get that. But he's, like, a defensive line coach by trade. We already got a defensive line coach. I'm sure he could maybe coach something else. Uh, and he's more of a West Coast guy anyway. Uh, but I know he's, he did a good job with Bama. If it was Tosh Lupoy, I wouldn't be, like, upset about it, but I would probably rather have Raymond – uh, and or McGriff, and then throw in Lanning or Schumann there. I think, and I think that's probably what's going to happen, right? Yeah, that's what it seems like. And are you along the same thing along the same lines here as like the, the tight end coach job that we're going to hear announcements sooner rather than later? You have to in every position. I mean, there's no more time to waste. We have to have someone in place, but when you're trying to flip someone like Nick Cross, or, oh yeah, or lock down Elam, and getting a guy like Corey Raymond. 
in the mix. And look, I don't, I, I'm not big on like making these uh, higher like Raymond just like one guy and then a recruiting class because I think that's a, a short term view. But like, hey, get a guy of Corey Raymond's reputation as a, as a DB coach and his recruiting acumen and put him on Nick Cross. That's not going to hurt, right? No. So like, I think we absolutely have to have something in place by this weekend, like no doubt, because we have we're hosting prospects. Like, Kyrie Elam is going to be in town this week, and we've got to have someone in place. So I, I imagine by the middle of this week, I, I, like, I don't know that for sure, but I feel strongly in saying that by the middle of the week, I imagine we're going to have something in place. We'll hear some news coming down pretty quick. And again, it might be that by the time you listen to this show. But uh, all right, Kirk, anything else, man, on the coaching front? No, I think that's about it. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in today and listening to us. We always appreciate the support. We'll be back uh, later in the week. Uh, we still have some mailback questions to get to. We had all, you guys sent in a ton of great mailback questions. We kind of put that to the side, though, as we had all this coaching news kind of come down the pipe here over the last week. But we will get to that later in the week. And, of course, if there's any movement on the coaching front, which there likely will be, we will cover that as well. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Uh, thanks for listening. And, as always, go dogs.